Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your guest host, Ryan. Welcome to the Wellness Plus podcast. Today, the podcast is brought to you by our Psyche Truth patrons. Thank you to all our Patreon members who help support us and allow us to keep bringing you content that you love. Uh, We really appreciate you guys. So if you haven't already, make sure you check out our Patreon. Also, it is brought to you by the Psyche Truth Yoga Plus app, which is our premium yoga app. Has loads of awesome content, really amazing yoga series for beginners, for intermediate levels, and everything in between. So definitely check that out as well. Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Tanisha Wards. She's been with us before. Uh, Dr. Tanisha is a chiropractor and a applied clinical nutritionist with Infinity Wellness Center here in Austin, Texas. And today, uh, she came in and talked to us about Lyme disease, which was an extremely interesting conversation. Um, Lyme disease is not super widely known about, it seems, in the U.S., and so Tanisha came in to really kind of shed some light on the issue and explain why we need to learn more about it and why it really needs to be more talked about. So it was a really great uh, conversation I had with her today, so really, I think you'll enjoy this podcast a lot. Uh, Thanks again. Welcome, Dr. Tanisha Wards. so much for coming on today. I know we were kind of talking about going into uh, Lyme disease, and you said that has quite a bit of controversy, especially in Texas or just in the whole country. Yeah, definitely. So May is Lyme Disease Awareness Month. So for those of you maybe watching this on video, you can see I'm wearing a lime green scarf for Lyme Disease Awareness Month since we're the last day of of May. Last day of May. (laughs) Because... Bringing awareness about this disease, I think, is so important because a lot of states claim that they don't have Lyme disease in their state. Um, For example, when I was diagnosed, it was 1994 in in Michigan. Um, I was 15 years old, and people, A, didn't really know what it was, and the people that had heard of it, the doctors that had heard of it, said, oh, it's not here. It's only in the East Coast. Um, There's... The disease is named after Lyme, Connecticut, where it was first discovered. Um, And that's an interesting kind of story and discovery, and I'll talk about that in a second. So it was very hard to, A, get somebody to recognize that that's even a disease in our state at the time, and then, then B, know what to do with it. Um, And, you know, I don't know. Don't know if they thought the ticks like stopped at state borders or (laughs) or what, like why it wouldn't spread. And so fast forward. 20 years when I started practicing in Austin, Texas, I find I found some of the same things that was happening in Michigan 20 years ago. Now it's very well known. You could walk into an urgent care in Michigan and present with some of the symptoms, which we should absolutely go over. Yeah. Um, and people are tested for Lyme disease. There are still some doctors I hear of every day, patients of mine that have gone to other doctors and they say, oh, well, they say Lyme disease is not in Texas. Or it's not possible I have Lyme disease that's only on the East Coast. They're still saying that 20 years. So they're insane. almost like 20 years behind where Michigan was, who was already behind. So, so Texas, for sure, I've heard over and over, there's not Lyme disease, which is crazy yeah, to me. Yeah, insane. Because, because it can... So many deer, deer it, here. Yeah. And especially here near Austin, we're in the hill country, right? Yeah. Like, 
Like there's, why could why wouldn't it spread? Like there's I, deer I in my understand. front yard. Yeah, yeah. There's deer everywhere. <laughs> so, so yeah. It, it and so a lot of doctors will not even treat it and just say that's not possible. It's not Lyme. It's not you know a disease that we have here. That's in, that's insane. It's all in your. Is head. there not like? It sounds like it would be illegal, right? To to, to say something like that because. If someone was misdiagnosed, right, they have Lyme, they go to the doctor and they say it doesn't exist, you don't have it, and then they do have it, that sounds like almost like a malpractice or some kind of issue. Like That sounds really dangerous. Exactly, and the damage that's done to your central nervous system and all kinds of things that's happening in between the time of, I see it every day, that you've not been diagnosed or you told it, people are told it's fibromyalgia Mm. or it's chronic fatigue or... So it's just like um, misdiagnosed all really the, commonly. All the time. And chiropractors see it a lot. Massage therapists see it a lot first because oftentimes those are the people that are, that are the first line of defense that people are going to for headaches, neck pain, joint pain. Right. Those are some of the first symptoms. So um, kind of backing up to Lyme, Connecticut, I think that is kind of interesting to tell the story. I think it was the late 70s, early 80s. In Lyme, Connecticut, all the children came down with essentially what they were calling juvenile or rheumatoid arthritis, like case after case after case. Kids had fever, swelling in the joints, pain in the joints, couldn't bend their joints. Hmm. And finally, a bacteria was discovered, and the, the name of the bacteria is Borrelia burgdorferi. <laughs> <That's, laughs> Say that five times fast. <laughs> right, Borrelia burgdorferi. <laughs> That's the bacteria that causes Lyme disease. And so it was then named Lyme disease, but the bacteria that causes it was named after the doctor. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's, that's where that crazy name come from, mm-hmm. came from. Um, so they were, you know, just tons of children coming in with these same symptoms. Is there any reason it was mostly kids? You know, that's a really great question. I, I don't. I mean, I know probably if they're getting it from ticks, maybe the kids are a little bit more cavalier, or... running around in the woods and stuff. But that's interesting that it was like a really high population of kids. in children. Yeah. I, I bet you're right. I bet it's because they're running outside, yeah. getting bit by ticks. So yeah, they found it's a bacteria that spread through a tick bite. The tick can be infected with it, and then if you're bit, you can be infected, or not. Right. They were also finding <clears throat> people were bit by the same ticks. And some families were, the whole family was, ended up getting sick and other families were not. Really? So through the years of, of myself studying this disease, I found that there's a couple things we know. We believe the bug is intelligent and smart and it reads your DNA and decides if you're a good host. Oh, wow. So it can read your immune system. So there's a couple things we look at. We look at how well you methylate, which is an MTHFR gene. We look at how well you detox. There's another gene called NOS2 that you have a better ability to fight infections versus somebody else. So these are all genetic things in your genetic code that would make you a little bit more difficult for the bacteria to kind of infect you, essentially? Exactly. If you have strong genetics and you don't have defects here. The bacteria almost kind of just says not worth it. Wow. Totally. And this this has not absolutely been proven, but Mm -hmm. a lot of doctors have found it's got to be this. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting if it... If especially if they found the same tick will bite multiple people and certain ones will become infected, essentially. Right. Wow. Another doctor I studied under really truly believes a lot of your stress and emotional state at the time affects your immune system enough to make you an opportunistic host or not. 
So a lot of patients that if you talk to them and ask, okay, well, when did you become sick? They'll find, they'll say, oh my gosh, I was going through divorce. I was in grad school and super stressed out. I just lost a family member. And they find that that could be a factor, just that your immune system's down from emotional and mental stress. Also, we now know that you can be infected and bitten and the bug can lie dormant for weeks, months, years. And if you go through something stressful, and your immune system tanks. That's when it'll kind of come exp- out. It can express. It can see. Come so out. that's kind of like a viral, totally characteristic, I guess. It's an interesting bug. A lot of people are very perplexed by it, and mm-hmm. I've learned to respect it and appreciate it, and really almost kind of just yeah appreciate its brilliance that it it can hide like a virus, and it attacks your nervous system like a parasite. But yet it's a bacteria under a microscope. Yeah, it's very strange, and it's um. What's it called? Like a spiro A spirochete. Pyrochete, yeah. Yep, a spirochete, which is um, syphilis is in the same right. family. Right, that's what I was going to ask about. Does syphilis act similarly? You know, um, some some things it can, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, people just aren't getting syphilis like that right, before. But, right. yeah, some of the symptoms can be very similar, and we know that it can spiral. It right, can hide. Right, because it screws in, and that's kind of mm-hmm. how it's able to hide and everything. Exactly, yep. And wow. we believe it can hide in organs and in joints and can cause just a slew of of different symptoms. So it's it's an interesting I think I think a stealth pathogen it's been named is is absolutely a great name for it because yeah. it is so stealthy and can hide and they also call it the great mimicker because people come in so oftentimes the first symptoms are headaches, joint pain, fatigue, um fever, redness um in the joints and so Oftentimes people are like, oh, it must be fibromyalgia. You're in a lot of pain. We don't know why. Nothing is showing up on a blood test. Oftentimes if people are bit and the tick was infected, you'll get a bullseye rash Mm -hmm. around the bite. And so a lot of medical doctors or just doctors in general would say, oh, if you didn't have the bullseye rash, it can be Lyme. And they wouldn't even think or test it. We now know only about 30% of cases have a bullseye rash. Really? So, so many people don't even know They've wow. been infected. Yeah, that's <laughs> because incredible. Because they didn't have... Only 30%? Wow. But somehow along the way, that's been tied to it. And mm-hmm. also somehow along the way, they also believe that two weeks of doxycycline or amoxicillin or one of these antibiotics will completely cure it. Well, that's, that's sometimes true if it's caught really, really quick. Mm-hmm. If it's gone on for weeks, months, years, sometimes that's not the case. Two weeks won't take care of it, especially if it's like dormant for a long time and then come back out. Um, so a lot of doctors have gotten into trouble for over-treating Lyme disease because they've put patients on antibiotics longer than the recommended two weeks, which I believe is what's um, deemed normal by the AMA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're not following those standards, you're practicing out of your scope of practice. And I know I personally and professionally know doctors who've lost their medical license for treating patients for weeks and months and years with antibiotics, and they were saving these people's lives and getting them well. And But they said that was out of the line? You're over-prescribing wow. and you're out of the scope of the standard for medical treatment. It's really sad. Yeah, it's of... terrible, especially for the, for the doctors, of course, because they're trying to save people's lives. And then for the patients, too, what do they do at that point? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough, I, I know patients who, I know doctors in Texas that have lost their license. Some of them have fought it and got it back. And mm-hmm. I know patients that have had to leave Texas to go get treatment from other places. 
And a lot of patients will turn to herbal treatments mm-hmm. or other, other therapies. Um, there's also some theories out there that if you've had it a long time, it becomes antibiotic resistant. Mm. And it, it builds up biofilms, which are these kind of protective um, shields almost that make it resistant to an antibiotic. So, wow. That's so, even scarier. Yeah, so That's kind of like, like similar to Staph and MRSA. Does it kind of react the same way to becoming resistant to the antibiotics? Exactly. So, so sometimes antibiotic treatment doesn't even work for patients. Jeez. So, so what do you do one. at that point if so, the antibiotics are no, not doing anything for you? There are, um, there are some things people can do to break down those biofilms. Um, enzymes can do it, definitely. There's um, a product out there called Biocidin that helps break down enzyme, um, breaks down the biofilm. So there's mm-hmm. ways to, to do that. There's also different herbs that will pull the bug out of these biofilms that kind of lure it out. Really? Um, they say liquid stevia in a therapeutic dose will will draw it out, and really? then you can hit it with something, some something type of like, antimicrobial. Something like more direct almost. Yeah, and you've kind of you know pulled it out of its right out of hiding its hiding spot. spot. That's interesting. Do they know why stevia works like that? I, you know, I don't. That's so interesting. I don't. I don't know why it draws it out, and and then they can hit it with something, mm-hmm. and and some believe that you can kill the bug. It is a bacteria by definition. Right. You should be able to kill it with an antimicrobial, whether it, that's prescription or herbal. Um, others believe, no, if you've had it a long time, you just need to learn to coexist with it and suppress mm-hmm. it and, um, you know, live live with your immune system really high right. and the bug count really low, kind of like somebody might live with herpes. That's, or, yeah, that's what I was going to say, kind of like a herpes type virus. So yeah. what are, are there, I'm sure there's plenty of good ways, but what are some of the common methods that people go through to kind of try to start boosting their immune system and help suppress it? Yeah, so that that is as individual as you, right? But um, I truly believe guts health is you know all health starts in the gut. So mm-hmm. oftentimes patients, if they have been on antibiotics, we've got some serious immune system problems with leaky gut and their you know gut microbiome being mm-hmm. broken down. So I was about to say, of- especially if you were saying some of the people get prescribed antibiotics for months and years, sometimes that's got to have. Oh, yeah. A crazy effect on your gut and everything, right? Absolutely. And does it affect your liver and kidneys as well, I assume, just because those are the detox pathways and everything? Absolutely. So um, I've seen people do ports, antibiotic ports. Mm -hmm. There's a doctor here in Texas that does a port with antibiotics. So it bypasses your gut, which Mm -hmm. is really a good, you know, way to do it. Yeah. I myself, my story is that I was diagnosed with Lyme at 15. It took me a year to get diagnosed and wow. find the right doctor in Michigan again. A lot of them, it was my mom who did her own research and really went to ask a doctor to test me for Lyme. And they're like, oh no, I don't even know how to do that test. Or there's no Lyme disease in Michigan. So she finally found a doctor. They call him an LLMD, a Lyme literate medical doctor is who she found. And mm. um, he did the right tests and we found out it was Lyme. And I got treatment. I did a whole lot of building up my gut, working on my adrenals, liver detoxification. Now, let me also preface at this point, I was a year almost undiagnosed. So I was put on steroids, which is the absolute worst thing you can do with Lyme. It really inflames. Oh, really? It really stirs up the bugs. So I got way worse. Um, And then I was put on Celexa for joint pain. Mm -hmm. That was a major symptom I had. And then, of course, my fatigue started to drop 
or my energy started to drop. Now I had chronic fatigue, so I was put on an antidepressant. I wasn't depressed. Oh. I was just tired. Yeah, so yeah, and they were like hitting you with all these drugs on top of it all. And and so my story is I woke up one day um, from clearing bushes in our on our property in Michigan just as a chore as a kid, as a 15-year-old. And we had ticks on us growing up off and on, didn't think anything of it. A couple days after doing this yard work, woke up and I couldn't bend any of my joints. Really? That, and it was only a few days that quickly? And I was covered in a red rash almost my waist down. Really? Like more than half my body. Did you find the tick? Or you Not hadn't... find that tick, but I had found ticks in the past. Right, right. Um, so I knew they were probably in that area, but no, I did not find yeah. the tick. I I read somewhere that the ticks, for some reason, tend to go in like really hard to find spots. Kind of warm places. Is that why maybe they can, the warm... like under arms? Uh, yeah, armpits or... or like in your waist or groin and hair and stuff. Yep. A lot of people will say I never had a tick bite and we think it was maybe in their head or their hair. Right. We also think a lot of people find that some of their worst symptoms are possibly where we think they got bit. Oh. So if somebody... Right at the site, kind of. Did have you know, a uh, tick in their head a lot of times, or in their hair, a lot of times their headaches would be the biggest, mm. worst symptom. So I had this rash. My um, my mom called my pediatrician at the time, because I was 15. Mm-hmm. They brought me in through the back door of the clinic and, like, quarantined everything. Yeah, and just, <laughs> like, we don't know what this is. You know, is this some type of outbreak? God, like, I was a kid. That had to have been terrifying. It It really was. I was, like, a the bubble boy. Kind of Did thing. they put you in in a bubble type thing? They 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 kind of quarantined me off. They just kind of quarantined yeah. you off. God. And they just started. Well, she's swollen. They're swelling, and mm-hmm. I literally couldn't bend my hands. I'd have to run them off under warm water to even like get them to bend. It was just so bad and painful and stiff. And um, they yeah, they just didn't know it was wrong. So I went from doctor to doctor and. Still couldn't figure it out, and finally we we got diagnosed and treated properly and did lots of gut repair. At this point, too, I had been put on some antibiotics at at one point and got a little worse, Mm -hmm. which is called a Herxheimer reaction, named after a doctor who named it, which is your body's... So so when you start to kill Lyme, Lyme, the the bug lets off a a toxin, essentially. Okay, kind of like a defense mechanism. Kind of a last. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> kind of like God, a, yeah. Like a neurotoxin, really, because right. it affects the nervous system. And then your body's reaction to that is with a protein, a cytokine. And a cytokine reaction in your body is doing what it's supposed to do. It's trying to help clean up this mess or help, you know, detox it. And so that that causes pain and inflammation. So I got a little worse, which I know now is. Kind of a it was good kind sign. of your body trying to fight it, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So at this point, I had been on antibiotics. I'd been on the steroids, on the other medications. I mean, I was on Celexa with an arthritis pill, hmm. which ended up having some major recalls and major oh, liver really? symptoms. Oh. Found out like decades later. Um, oh, so. Yeah, so I was on antibiotics for a while at this point. So then I started having like candida and yeast issues. Hmm. So I definitely had some gut problems right. and had to do some gut repair. So when I finally figured out, you know, what it was, gut repair was a big one, rebuilding my adrenals from the exhaustion, coming off some of the medications, you know, slowly. So I, I did a whole lot of gut repair, a whole lot of liver detoxing, and then found antimicrobial herbs. Hmm. And that's that for me was more of a long term solution. And that 
keeps the bug suppressed. And yeah. I truly don't live with Lyme disease symptoms today. That's awesome. But on a test, it still shows up. It still shows up. It still shows wow. it's in my system. And I truly believe it's because I went so long without knowing what it was mm-hmm. that it's what they call chronic Lyme. Right. Do you know, do you remember like the last time you had a symptom? So I did have um, some problems during my pregnancy. So I'd been on oh, these wow. herbs for, I don't know, from the time I was 15, 16 to, when did I, 36? So 20 years I'd been doing wow. herbal stuff and living a normal, happy, healthy life. Mm-hmm. Well, the herbs I was on caused miscarriages. Oh, really? So when I decided to get pregnant, I went off them and I worked with a Lyme, liter- Lyme literate MD um, out of Seattle. So I flew up there found this guy who focuses on helping women have safe pregnancies because we do believe that it can be pl- uh, passed through the placenta. Yeah, I was going to ask about getting pregnant with it. Like, it's always got to be a little bit of a concern. So I knew this, just knowing everything I've known for 20 yeah. years, having to know about this bug. Um, and so I kind of prepared my body, started weaning off the herbs and got pregnant and went on antibiotics. and then. Um, was on them for the entire, you know, 10 months of a pregnancy, 40 wow. weeks, give or take. Um, and then Jeez. I also nursed her. Right. So I was on it another year on antibiotics. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, this just oh. happened three years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Three and a half, four years ago. So going off those antibiotics and then back onto the herbs, mm-hmm. I certainly felt like what we call a Lyme flare-up was happening again. And yeah. I had some other... I had some gut issues, as you can imagine. I had to rebuild my yeah, gut again. Yeah, of course, again. again, yeah. Um, but I still wasn't getting better. I, I still was, okay, so I'm back up on that Lyme herbs. Like, I should be feeling better. So I had to I had to dig deeper, and I found out that I, um, at the time, had also Epstein-Barr showed up, which oh. I never had Epstein-Barr, to my knowledge, or mono, but I'm sure it was in there somewhere. But, I mean, I was so sick younger. Who right. knows? Maybe it was Maybe mono was part of it. And then also an autoimmune disorder, Hashimoto's developed. And I, the only thing I can really contribute it to is just the stress I put on my body of yeah. carrying my daughter and wow. being on antibiotics and nursing. But, you know, it was, it was worth, I guess, the sacrifice to, I truly feel she did not get Lyme. That's good. Most symptoms, if children are born with Lyme, is seizure and neurological issues. And she's none of that perfectly developed and fact probably smarter than she should be for a four-year-old so so i feel confident and with the guidance of a of the proper medical doctor right i I felt i weighed all my options i even considered rolling the dice and saying you know i haven't had a lyme symptom in over a decade you know i mean it took me a couple years to get to the point to not having symptoms Mm -hmm. for sure but but you know it's been almost 20 years and i just said you know it's not worth it so we yeah that's i feel like that's understandable Especially when you're getting ready to have a kid, you just want to do everything to make sure that, it, you know, you don't pass it on or anything like that. Absolutely. So so that's probably three and a half, four years ago, I feel like I had what they call a Lyme flare. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, now now looking back, I don't know if it was the gut issue from the antibiotics. Right. or. But people who have Lyme disease kind of know the difference yeah. between Lyme pain and just muscle soreness or just a regular headache the best way i could describe the pain i had and i've had patients that say they feel the same i feel like i i hear two different types of pain with lyme pain in the 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 type of pain i had that i knew like ooh, this could be lyme again is it felt to me like 
shards of glass in the inside of all of my joints and scraping. That like, sounds terrible. <laughs> all over my body. Oh. The other is a deeper ache than your muscles and your bones. Like it, it aches deeper than your bones all over. Oh. So either the sharp <laughs> glass Gosh. or aching. So I had a little bit of that after coming off the antibiotics mm-hmm. um, and some fatigue, like severe fatigue. Right. But now I know I had some other things going on. So other than that, n- no. But I also have to be very careful of, of course. eating right, exercising right, trying to keep stress low, right? And mm-hmm. I don't know, practice and have a four-year-old. So like that's all. And, and Lyme disease patients that have recovered, like they know this. They know mm-hmm. they have to make these changes in their life. They can't drink alcohol, eat bad food, and, and not stir up the bugs. Because mm-hmm. we also find that sugar feeds, like it feeds cancer, like it feeds yeah, candida. Yeah, sugar seems to be like the most evil thing when it comes to your body. Absolutely. And these bugs can flare up on it. So I've fed patients that have had Lyme and they'll say, oh yeah, I did this and I went to a wedding and then I had cupcakes and then I had, (sighs) like I went on a binge for a couple of days and I just feel achy and gross all over and bad and I feel like the Lyme is coming back out. Yeah. Which like you said is very viral Mm -hmm. sounding. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, what, so what with your diet, have you do you do anything in specific? Like, do you follow a specific diet right now? Or is it kind of, I, I'm sure usually it's a little bit more catered to your individual kind of what you need, but what kind of diet do you practice? So I, I believe that the uh, blood type diet has some validity to it. Mm-hmm. So I really follow an O blood type diet for me, which is essentially kind of a paleo type diet. So I have to avoid grains, refined sugar, alcohol, um, and really stick to kind of fruits, vegetables, protein. And, okay. and for me also, eating organic matters. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about that because I, I have a family member, like I was saying, that also was diagnosed with Lyme and she dealt with all kind, a lot of the same stuff you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and then kind of what's helped her feel better and I guess suppress the symptoms and everything. She has her own garden now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, yeah, she tries to pretty much grow everything she eats. And, yeah, she has to be very careful about going out to eat. Um, yeah. Not, yeah, if it's not organic, she says you, you can really tell a difference. Of course, alcohol, all these things. So she has had to really, like, yeah. just really be very cautious about what she eats. And, yeah, it's cool that she has her own garden, though. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really awesome. My husband's a chef, and he um, we don't have as big of one now in this newer house we're in, but we've had gardens, and that is that does make such a difference because I truly believe pesticides mm-hmm. and all that stuff for sure absolutely upset your liver, which then affects your immune system and your ability ability to detox, and that just sets you up for the bugs to take over. In my opinion, um, where was your aunt? Infected, do you think? And That's where what was I've she been diagnosed? To out. She so she lives in New Mexico. Okay. Um, I don't know. I feel like she was probably diagnosed there, cause, but I I don't know exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's where she's lived, and which was strange. I feel like I wouldn't think New Mexico would be a place for ticks. I bet she had a but hard time finding. Maybe with, I know they maybe on like mice or something, because there's yeah. not really deer in New Mexico. Yeah. That I know of, I don't know. So I, I don't know the details on that, but I I don't know if she got diagnosed in New Mexico. I'm not exactly sure. If she did, I bet she had a, a hard time finding a doctor yeah. to diagnose it. Yeah, kind of I would thing. imagine so. Yeah. I know, yeah, I know it was a long process kind of trying to figure everything out, and it was kind of like an uphill battle. I mean, it sounds like for most people it probably is because there's so many different factors, and yeah. each person is different, kind of figuring out what works for you. 
Um, yeah. So what with exercise, is there anything that you have to avoid when you're exercising? Kind of what, what's your protocol with that? You know, in for me, um, in the beginning, like I just couldn't do anything really hard, weight-bearing squats, jumps, like mm-hmm. anything really hard because my joints were – like I felt like my joints – would almost fall apart, mm-hmm. if that even makes sense. But I was, so when I was diagnosed, I was in cheerleading and dance competitions, and I had to stop all that for a while because I, like, felt like a 90-year-old woman or something. Like, I was fragile with it, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I wasn't. I was strong and muscular, and but it, but you just I felt, just couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. I still keep my personal exercise to more, like, walking, mm-hmm. swimming. I'll do some HIIT exercises, but not a lot of the jumping and squatting, mm-hmm. but more just, you know, like lighter weights, more reps kind of thing mm-hmm. or um, more gentle. Like if they're jumping, I just kind of. <laughs> kind of like pulse or started, something. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. but I, after having my daughter and having some of the issues, I definitely had a hard time exercising. Like yeah. I just was sick and tired and feeling awful again. Um, but honestly, just walking is, uh, I love walking outside, especially um like at sunrise, mm-hmm. I think there's absolutely something to some of the research that says walking outside sets your, at sunrise and sunset, resets your circadian rhythms. Yeah. And so I try to get up like, I don't know, 10 minutes before sunrise, get ready and walk before. Well, really, that's the only time I can exercise in my home just yeah. with my, my busy schedule. But, and I like to be outside while sunrise is happening. And sometimes I'll jog, but I know I can't overdo yeah. it. Yeah. Is it kind of, like the, I feel like the high impact on is it your knees and your ankles and just kind of everything you can just kind of feel it well the crazy thing is there isn't any damage to my joints and to a lot of lyme disease patients really there's not actual damage which is the crazy part that's interesting so a lot of people with lyme get diagnosed as arthritic Mm -hmm. like rheumatoid arthritis or osteoarthritis but you look at x-rays and and it's not degeneration i would say because with those kind of things you would definitely see it yeah so so really my joints aren't healthy physically totally how weird but they feel or they felt arthritic and stiff do you think it has anything to do with um like when you start doing higher impact stuff and maybe inflammation rushes there it kind of maybe i don't know if it would bring any of the the bugs out bacteria or something i'm just trying to i don't know that's a really good thought and and i'll tell you why Blood tests for Lyme disease, we know, are, are sometimes as low as 60% accurate. Wow. So another reason why too, why it's so hard to diagnose. Yeah. People will run a simple um, antibody test, and it can be negative. And so Lyme is pushed back. I can't tell you how many patients that have come into my office with a stack like this of tests, and Lyme disease was in there. And, and we think, okay, well, it's been ruled out. But we now know that a better test is urine. Really? The reason why is, well, and while you take, before you take the urine test, we, the lab says do 45 minutes of vigorous exercise mm-hmm. or go get a lymphatic drainage massage. Hmm. And so to your point, the lymphatic drainage massage or the vigorous exercise would draw hmm. it out, the That's bugs out. Yeah. And then you collect your second urine. So that second urine has like the debris. So the first one's... Would probably be what was in your bladder before. Right, right, right. That makes sense. Right. You exercise. Um, So, yeah, to your point, exercise may too much or too, you know, maybe it draws. Draws it out a little bit. That's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. But that's a great. That's super interesting. Yeah, because 
There's well, it's because I kind of a weird connection, but there's um when I was a, in college, I played soccer, uh-huh. and so I remember for the NCAA, you you know you get random drug tests, uh-huh. and so I always remember you always knew when a drug test came because you would see <laughs> a bunch of people in the in the weight room or something with their hoodies <laughs> totally. on and they're on the bike and they're just going at it because they're thinking they're going to sweat it out. And, and, then, and they probably do through the lymph system. Yeah, yeah. But then everyone says that actually if you do really excessive exercise, like the day before a drug test, if you have, if it's for like marijuana, for example, yeah, the THC, since it's fat soluble, it actually, you burn the fat and then it gets a, like a boost into your urine again or something strange. Yeah. So that's what kind of made me I mean, think of that. How do you that. get rid of fat? You break it down, it goes into the lymph system. Exactly, It comes out, yeah. urine or bowel, yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was like so, so strange. Interesting. Yeah. There's got to be something to that with this test. That's what, Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreon.com slash psychetruth where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peaks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash psychetruth. That's patreon.com slash p-s-y-c-h-e-t-r-u-t-h. So this test now is they claim between ninety and ninety five percent accurate. That's which pretty good. In the Lyme I mean, world, compared to sixty percent for a blood test, it's astonishing. Yeah, yeah. and in that lab is DNA connections, mm-hmm. and that's um, I think a, a more accurate test. However, it's not the I guess CDC recognized test. Hmm. The recognized CDC test is by a lab called Igenix, which. Um, which is still blood plasma, but the way that they test it, they claim it's 80 to 85 or 85 to 90. Mm-hmm. So still better than just running a simple, simple, like just your local lab antibody test. Right. And you have to get these through a licensed practitioner. You have to um, get them drawn somewhere and send it off. Same with the urine. You can only get it really through a licensed practitioner. I think if you went like to the website, they'll direct you to a practitioner near you and then you send it off. Um, but it's interesting Patients or people, just in general, have asked my opinion on well, which lab test should I get. Both are well over five hundred dollars. Unfortunately, yeah. insurance doesn't recognize either. Um, and I say, well, do you think you're ever gonna have to file for disability and you need this, you know, recognized by the state you're in? Then you need to pay for the Igenix test because the CDC recognizes it. And if you if you don't care, you just want to get well and just figure out what the heck's going on. Then I would say do the more accurate one. Right. But with that said, I think part of the reason why Lyme isn't getting the limelight it should, no pun intended, (laughs) why it's never in the limelight, is um, the people who aren't necessarily doing the right tests can't report it to the CDC. So now these areas of the country have a lower lower count of the bug because it's not being reported. So it's not like an accurate. Right. Uh, That's interesting. And I I recently read a statistic, and I I am probably going to get the number wrong, and maybe we should look it up, that Lyme is, I don't know, 10 to 1 more um, prevalent new Lyme cases than HIV, but yet there's hardly any research. Yeah, you don't hear anything there's about it. There's hardly any awareness. Wow. Yeah, which is part of my mission is just yeah. helping people 
figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Just if, if you've gone through everything, if you've been diagnosed with these blanket terms of fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, it could be this underlying infection. Or I, I believe chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia pain is something brewing under the surface. Mm-hmm. Like there's got to be a cause. Yeah. Your body just doesn't decide to stop working and be tired and have pain all over. Right, right. Just doesn't. Yeah. Now, it could be a laundry list of things, toxins, food allergies, right? Like it could be all of these other different things. But I find over and over it's an underlying infection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like they definitely need to make testing for Lyme. Well, first of all, they need to make sure it's covered by insurances and actually get it more available for people. Yeah. And it sounds like it needs to be way more tested for in general, like instead of bring someone in and then they're like, oh, you've got chronic fatigue, fibro, all these huge lists, maybe just straight up, maybe it's Lyme, test for it right away so that you can knock that out or basically just figure it out a little bit right. faster. From so your lips to the AMA's ears, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Cause yeah. Because that's, that's how it is. Again, with my aunt, you can tell it's almost like there, there's like a really strong community of people that have been affected by Lyme, yes. right? And it's like, because they always talk about, I think there's a lot of support groups probably. Absolutely. And it was a really, really good community. But people outside that are would never know. Like the last time I heard about Lyme totally. was when I probably was with my aunt. And then since now, yeah, I don't think I've heard of it once. So that's, that's crazy to me because I live in this world, right, that I study it and learn about it. Mm-hmm. But so... Down at the Texas State Capitol every May, there's a rally and everybody's dressed in lime green. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it's not a huge one. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not as big as some of the others that people are lobbying for it and, you know, just bringing awareness. But you're absolutely right. It's and it's it's kind of it's kind of become a all in your head disease. Oh, she has Lyme disease. Ooh, really? What is that crazy disease made up thing? People absolutely with Lyme disease get that. Unfortunately, that stigma all the time that. Or, or people are like, I've never even heard of that, and it should be gone with a round of antibiotics. However, most recently, um, there's a lot of celebrities that have come out that they've had it or have it. Oh, wow. Avril Lavigne has been all over, like, um, oh, what is that singing show? Was it the um, is it, um, American Idol or The Voice or one of the those? The Voice, yeah. No, no, Dancing. Dancing with the Stars? Yes. Dancing with the Stars? She, she was on the dancing one? She sang. I think that was oh, it. She okay. sang, well... Somebody danced, mm-hmm. and she wrote a song, and she's been on Good Morning America and the Today Show. She wrote a song called um, Head Underwater. Mm-hmm. She was in bed for two years, bedridden. Nobody could figure out what was wrong with her. And this woman, I'm sure she has all the funds and the means right. in the world to go to the top doctors. And I don't want to say two years. Maybe it was one. But it was definitely a significant a long amount of time. time. Yeah. And she wrote this album about feeling like she was dying and she was going to die. And her husband, husband or boyfriend came out and talked about having to take care of her. And finally, they found out it was Lyme disease. She got on the right path and she's recovering and was able to produce those songs and wow. tour. And yeah, the first time I heard the song, she, I mean, Head Underwater, it's about feeling like she's drowning and dying. I mean, I just bawled. I wow. just, and the video is super powerful. And mm-hmm. she talks about this, this was written about my struggle with Lyme disease, thinking I was losing my life and thinking I was crazy. Because wow. nobody would see that would that's hear like me. even worse. Not I don't know even worse, but to add that on top of feeling terrible is like feel right. like you're going crazy because people say it's in your head, and Absolutely. then you don't know what to believe. You don't know what's happening. That's just brutal. I when I find out someone has Lyme, I am so sad to hear it, but so happy for them that they have an answer. Yeah, and know it 
is going to be a long road ahead for them. But, oh, my gosh, at least we found Right, something. at least you know. Yeah, because the not knowing and just kind of being stuck in a yeah. world of uncertainty, always trying to figure out would be, yeah, that would be terrible. Other celebrities that have come forward that they've had Lyme was um, Ted Nugent mm-hmm. from Michigan. Okay. I mean, Michigan is highly populated I was and say, wooded, and he yeah. was a hunter. So, of course, he probably had ticks on him. Um, George W. Really? At, at one point said he had Lyme. Oh. Um, Yolanda Hadid is another one. She was one of the, um, I don't know, might have been the New Jersey Housewives, Housewives reality really? show. Her entire Instagram feed is her going to different clinics all over the country. Oh. She went to um, Dr. Klinghart's clinic in Seattle, who is one of the doctors that I worked with and studied under and, um, you know, did his treatments and protocols. And um, she's, yeah, following her, she's very informative. Debbie Gibson came out saying she had Lyme disease. Shania Twain came out saying it. And she actually spoke just recently on the Bobby Bone show. Oh, really? Who's a, you know, country artist. Yeah. Um, talking about how she lost her voice. Her that's, completely, it attacked her vocal cords. So that's got to be especially terrible for someone who was a singer, you know, like one of the, I mean, an amazing singer her whole life. I can't, I can't imagine. And so the interesting thing about Lyme is because it likes to hang out in the central nervous system and the cerebral spinal fluid in the, in the spinal cord, it could attack whatever nerve level it's hanging out at. Mm -hmm. So it just must've attacked the area in her neck coming out of her neck, going to her, her vocal cords that it's, it it attacks the nervous system. It's a neurological disorder. And so that must have been the area. Who knows if she got bit there? Right, maybe she got bit somewhere. Who, who knows why? Because you could maybe get bit around the neck, maybe? Absolutely. That seems like another place yeah. it might hide her again, maybe back in neck. Mm-hmm. Or who knows? It could have just gone systemic. And I mean, I don't know her whole story, but right. the fact that her voice came back is pretty amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and pretty that is. pretty fortunate. Yeah. Um, Chris Christofferson is another one that he, I know he publicly came out with it. So there's, there's becoming more and more awareness. And I can't think of his name, but if you Googled it, Jimmy Fallon's like right-hand guy who, you know, I don't know if he does sound or what he does. Right, he's he's kind of like the co- – he's not a co-host, but he's helps – he's on the show every every day. Yeah, he, he his like little stand is right between Jimmy Fallon's desk and then the root, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like yeah. he's right there in the middle. Um, about a year and a half ago, there was a clip circling around YouTube that he was out for a week. It was the same time Jimmy Fallon broke his thumb. <laughs> and they were both out. And he was like, and why were you in the hospital, man? He, he was like, you had Lyme disease? And he's like, yeah. And, and he just kind of, he's like, yeah, but I'm doing much better. And they just, they just glazed over it. They didn't yeah, they get, didn't really go into it very much. Not, not to the level like Avril Lavigne did. But the more and more people, are, I think, are speaking about it, the more and more, I, I think, truly people can get, can, can get diagnosed with it. Yeah, for sure. And that's just a huge step and part of i think my mission um of just yeah helping people find what's wrong with them so they can get on a path to healing yeah yeah i feel like that's super super important yeah and it's it's a touchy subject because there are some political issues around it there's some conspiracy theories around it i know a lot of insurance agencies don't want to pay if you have lyme disease you can be rejected from an insurance company private ones not not they can't do that anymore but they can definitely you know I'm sure they can, yeah, they, they usually have a way to figure out. The, do they try and list it as what, pre-existing usually yeah. or something like that? Yeah, so myself personally, I belong to like a share plan insurance mm-hmm. 
program where everybody pays in mm-hmm. and then you just take what you need. But they, I had to sign a waiver that they would not cover anything Lyme related because I had it before. Mm-hmm. I also tried to file for long-term disability in case I ever couldn't work. And they denied me twice now because I have Lyme disease. Really? Yeah. Or had Lyme disease. I mean, I guess I technically still would on a blood test. Yeah. They didn't test for it or anything. I just was honest with my health history. Mm-hmm. And, and so they, they, can do, no. they can do this stuff. Yeah. Even though it's, it's so interesting. I said, hold on. <laughs> I challenged the insurance company. It's one of the conditions they won't pay for. Like if I had to go on disability, mm-hmm. that insurance company wouldn't reimburse me for if I went on disability because of Lyme disease. So if you're not going to pay me for that anyway, why do you care that I have a pre-existing condition? Yeah. I, don't, I can't understand it. Maybe yeah. all the complications. I, yeah, I don't know. maybe. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really gray area yeah. of, of just knowing what's right and what's out there and how to diagnose it and what it really means to have that diagnosis. And But... People who find out they have it, they can just start building up their body and start working towards getting to a point mm-hmm. to take care of it. I, I recommend with people never go in and attack the bug right away if your system's really, really weak. Right, right, because you're already kind of beat down probably. Yeah. probably want to try and kind of build up your gut, get everything as basically as healthy as possible before you try and intervene Absolutely. beyond that. Endocrine system, your adrenal glands, because like most of the patients, if they've gone years or decades without a diagnosis, they're exhausted. Their mm-hmm. system's depleted, constantly trying to stay ahead of this infection. Right. They're just chronically ill and mm-hmm. fatigued. Yeah. yeah. Um, so are there any other kind of um, alternative health remedies for this kind of stuff? I know, like, if you're talking about adrenal glands, if the adrenals yeah. are really shot and you're just totally beat up, yeah. I feel like, is there anything to, I mean, like meditation, would meditation potentially be a beneficial? I've heard about, um, I've heard a lot about float tanks now. Yeah. Uh, kind of being all that sensory deprivation, kind of almost letting your body reset a little bit. Do you think, especially like nervous system stuff, I'm just curious if that would have any any I, kind of effect. I don't even know where to start with that. <laughs> I think, <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. The, the, the hard part about Lyme for practitioners is it's, no two Lyme cases look the same, mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why sometimes it's hard to diagnose. And no two Lyme cases respond the same. It's not like, oh, here's the protocol. You know, this is what you take for 10 right, days and right. this is what you eat and this is what you do. Um, so that that makes it really, really tricky. But I think all of that helps. Anything that strengthens you, makes you stronger than it, is, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Some newer things that are hitting out there that um, – some more functional medicine medical doctors are doing, which is really cool, is um, ozone therapy. Oh, yeah. Like laying in the oxygen chamber. Is it kind of like a hyperbaric type thing? Exactly. I've seen that done where you lay in the chamber and that, you know, oxidizes and increases antioxidants and helps suppress the infections. I've seen it done, and I've done it myself, where you take out a liter of blood Mm -hmm. and you add an oxygen molecule to it. So now it's O3. Put it back into your vein, sometimes through a UV light, which will kill fungus, bacteria, mm-hmm. viruses. Um, and then the oxidation that happens with that boosts your immune system. I've seen that really work effectively. There's so many things out there. Um, so some herbs that we know to work is cat's claw um, in the form of um, cemento and banderol are the, the, I guess, the brands you would, you okay. would find them in. Would those, do you, um, are those just like a supplement? You just yep. take like it's a, a liquid tincture oh, herb. Okay. There's another product out there called Biocidin. 
Um, olive leaf helps. Um, grapefruit seed ac- extract. All of these are antimicrobial to go after it. Mm-hmm. And there's certain ways to take them. You can't just start full dose. You have to go up slow because you'll have that Herxheimer reaction oftentimes. And then oftentimes, too, you'll pulse these herbs like five days on, two days off. Mm-hmm. And that kind of lets the bugs come back out and hit them. Right, right. But absolutely through that, um, addressing mental stress, emotional stress, meditation. I think the float tank. In fact, I did that a lot when I was pregnant. Oh, really? Um, just over in South Austin, there's yeah. one. And it was, A, the only time I felt like weightless and painless, not from Lyme pain, but just from like just carrying around. Just in general, around yeah. Oh, yeah, especially, yeah. I gained a 70 pounds at my pregnancy. Oh. It was unreal. So like just the pressure of the joint yeah. pain from that, right? Um, oh, yeah. But I really, at first, I was in that and i'm like oh i don't know about yeah. this and then i really loved it i've heard so I many good things it. i haven't done it but i for my birthday my dad just got me like a gift card to go do it awesome so i'm really really excited because i've heard so many good things it's but yeah it cool sounds feeling. almost scary at first just because it's, it's 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 like a uh, coffin yeah <laughs> like a tanning bed i don't know <laughs> I've never bed. been to a tanning bed. <laughs> that was that was a thing in the nineties. You oh, might be too young. Thing. I mean, is I, it still a thing? Maybe not for guys. Well, some guys maybe. But do, do people not know that you can get skin cancer from that? Now? I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm what? still I'm still also in disbelief about that. There's also like a free version of it outside. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, <laughs> especially in Texas, growing up in yeah. Michigan, everybody went yeah. to the tanning bed, and I get it. There's a such thing as seasonal yeah, um, depression, depression disorder. Yeah. Absolutely, like the tanning beds, you'd have to go and wait 20 minutes to really? get one in the dead of winter in Michigan. Yes, yeah, so that know makes if even, more sense. I don't know if that's still a thing. I think a lot of people realize, okay, if we can filter out the UV B rays, rays and get the UVA, and I could have that backwards. People are buying like sun lamps in places that don't oh. get a lot of sun that don't actually change the skin tone right but yeah, right but they still the kind of give you the vitamin d yeah that's kind of cool like our tanning that remi- <laughs> that makes me think of do people still smoke i know they definitely <laughs> they definitely do like the research has come out do people still smoke and go to tanning beds like they yeah, know that's bad it's, yeah it's, it's but that's crazy. what it kind of feels like this thing comes down on you like a coffin i guess or like a tanning bed and but you're in water i gotta imagine it's like what floating in the dead sea would feel like right, which right. is so detoxing but I, I loved it pregnant. And I, I don't know why I'm not doing it again. Just I think I it, it's it's a long process because mm-hmm. you're soaking yeah, wet you're, when you get like out. It's like an hour too, isn't it? It, it is like an hour. And then you're, then you're soaking wet. But mm-hmm. then you have to wash your hair because you can't walk out with salt water hair right, because right. it'll just be a big dread. Oh, it'll be disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> so you have to – they have like shampoo and conditioner and shower. So – and then if, if it's cold out, you want to blow dry your hair. Like, mm-hmm. they have all that there. So it's like a two-hour process. It's almost like a spa. It is kind of like a spa <laughs> where, where I was going. It's, it's actually, though, it was so worth it. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to do it. I'm I'd love really to hear excited. how you like it. Yeah, I'll let you know because I'm super excited. I've heard of people kind of freaking out in it at first. Yeah. and But then you kind of – you get into Relax a place and, and then it, it's over in a second, it felt like. Yeah, yeah, I'm it's super cool. excited. I can only think that takes you out of – sympathetic mm-hmm. nervous system fight or flight into parasympathetic rest yeah. and digest we like to call it people don't hear that term as much as fight or flight but rest and digest is where you'll heal mm-hmm. so a lot of Lyme patients also i recommend acupuncture chiropractic meditation anything that really kind of calms that right. sympathetic nervous system is only going to help their healing process mm-hmm. so absolutely the meditation and float tanks and and, you know, there's a huge mind-body connection. Mm-hmm. Some people 
don't believe they can get well. They've been sick yeah. so long or they've now been called the sick person in their family and they don't know. It's almost like they just accept being <sighs> sick and that's almost becomes who they are a little bit, I feel like. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's such a negative vibration to be stuck in mm-hmm. that things like meditation and, and the float tank, the zero gravity, I think can only help with. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. mindset's huge. Mindset's so big. Because I've read some studies where... I don't know if they've done any in specific with people that um, that are getting well, because I think it's hard to have a test group for that. Yeah. But they've done it with people like they had someone sit do you know weights where they're lifting a weight and working out their bicep, and then they had someone just think they didn't even actually flex their bicep; they just thought about it. They just thought about flexing their bicep for ten reps or whatever, and they saw the muscle growth was almost what? identical. Yeah, which is insane. I believe it. I believe it. They say a lot of athletes just, I mean, and you'll get this having played soccer, right? That just if you can envision Mm -hmm. the race and envision the shot or whatever. Yeah, visualization is huge. That you build that muscle memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when you go do it, the body's like, oh. Yeah. And apparently that's kind of what you do uh, in deep cycles of sleep as well, Mm. is that your brain... Like if you've been doing a lot of working on, like if you're a basketball player and you've been shooting free throws all day long, yeah, and then your your body realizes you know you're working at this really hard, and then while you're in sleep, it goes through and it basically just redoes it over and over and over really? again, yeah, super fast, and so that you huh. actually yeah, and so they'll they'll do I think the same kind of different studies with people after sleep, and they show all these improvements, and that's why I think they say a lot of people when they're working on things, like when you're seeing progress for anything. It, you don't really see progress. It feels like you're stuck. You're stuck. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, it clicks. Yeah. And you see like a big jump. Yeah. And so I think that has to do with kind of going through a couple of sleep cycles, working on a lot. And then all of a sudden you just kind of shift forward and you Like your subconscious kind of is like, oh, this is reality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Interesting. So, so yeah, I do think healing mindset matters with it. Yeah. And, and I've, I've asked patients before, you know, do you believe you can be well? Mm-hmm. And they'll either start crying Mm. or they'll say yes. Yeah. You know, and and I think that matters. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's also why it's important to have those support groups where you can kind of come together with people. Yes. And ideally there's some people with Lyme that are kind of like you, they've really recovered really well. And so it's got to give people some hope. And I feel like that's got to help so much. I think so. And and people like Avril Lavigne, being out there yeah. in the spotlight, like, hey, she's back on stage. She's mm-hmm. back a bestseller. And, you know, we didn't even know she was going through this, but she's, you know, talking about it, I think totally gives people hope. Yeah. But it's definitely caused an influx in people getting tested. They've heard her story and like, oh, my gosh, that's me. Mm-hmm. I had that joint pain, those headaches, that chronic fatigue, and nobody could tell me why. Yeah. And so I, I think, yes, just seeing people do it kind of like, the four-minute mile, right? Yeah. People didn't think you could break the four-minute mile until one person did, and then everybody yeah, did. Yeah, everyone could do it. Yep. It's yeah. Kind of the same thing. If you see one person heal, yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great point. The podcast you are listening to was brought to you by wellnessplus.tv, a subscription service empowering you with everything you need to take control of your health and happiness. Sign up for your free trial today to watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to our extensive library, including hundreds of follow-along yoga and fitness courses, massage therapy tutorials, weight loss information, 
guided meditations, educational health videos, and so much more. Feel better, look better, and live better today by visiting wellnessplus.tv. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it makes a world of difference. Yeah, and hopefully some of the bigger celebrities and people can keep raising the awareness. Because yeah. I, I mean, it's just so important. It's such a, like I said, it's such a like tight line to walk for a lot of doctors that are doing great work here in Texas that you can't say their full name on a Facebook group or a forum or a Yahoo group or anywhere in public because they're afraid to get shut down. Really? Yeah. Medical doctors here in town, you'll have to say doctor and then his initial or her initial. Dang. It's, it's. That's so strange. That kind I mean, of that's stuff is really crazy. Is blocking the awareness of Lyme. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's going to hold it back tremendously. Not to mention actually treating people as well. Like if you have to go through that much trouble just to find a doctor that's going to be able to treat you. Yeah, that's that's really pretty unbelievable. That's crazy. It's sad, really. Yeah, yeah. it is. Is it yep. so? Is this specific? Not specific, but particularly in Texas, it's a big issue. Are like other states not as? I think that. Other states were like that. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned Michigan a long time ago. Like it was this kind of weird thing mm-hmm. that when I went to this doctor, I had to call on the phone, my mom did, and say that I was fatigued. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say I was coming in for Lyme because they wouldn't book me an appointment. Oh, really? This was in Did she try that first? No, she was told. She knew. She, wow. So she did her own research, mm-hmm. which I absolutely still, I may get emotional over this, but, you know, if she didn't become my advocate i don't think i would have ever been diagnosed and she you know i owe her my life yeah for multiple reasons (laughs) but um no she found somebody that she heard will test and treat but you can't call and say this is what you think i have over the phone because i think that that office was afraid they were being like secret shocked i guess like like their phones were bugged or something i no i think like people from his medical board would would call mm -hmm. and that's what i believe they were afraid of so you'd have to call you couldn't say you thought it was lime and then um they would say oh and i remember this nurse absolutely i remember her name was pam she (laughs) she would say oh you think it's lime why do you think that and they would like quiz you before the doctor came in like why do you think that who told you that you know this is a place to come to get right, tested right. for Lyme. Right, right, to like, like make sure all that... kinds of underground. Wow. It was, it was that wild. That is insane. I remember doing that at 15. I also remember going to support groups after that, learning it and saying, yeah, you know, you, you can go to this doctor, but you can't say you have Lyme and you can go to this doctor and he'll help you and they'll help you and they'll listen to you, but you can't call up and say I'm calling for Lyme disease. So that has changed in Michigan. Yeah. I don't know that that's changed here. It's, mm-hmm. it's on some level. I And, and it also it's really interesting East and West Coast, mm-hmm. very accepted. Yeah. Lots of doctors in California, in Washington State, and all along the East Coast. It, again, you could walk into an urgent clinic and they would say, oh, these symptoms could be Lyme. Let's test. And again, it may not be the best test and it, the symptoms or the, the disease may be missed, but but they're aware of it. Right. But yeah, I, um, I actually just found out the doctor that diagnosed me um, died this past March. Oh, really? Yeah, I was actually looking him up for something else and realized he died this past March. That's too bad. Sorry to hear that. Practiced well into his 70s, though. Oh, wow. That's Amazing. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure he did a lot of, I mean, I'm sure he obviously helped tons of people tremendously. Still, he, my um, mom had visited him, I don't know, within the last five years, and he said, I've tried to retire, I just can't. There's not enough people doing this. Yeah, but say it must, it sounds like there's really a 
pretty serious need for Absolutely. like demand for some more doctors to be able to is there it, I guess it would help for specialists because you specialize in that field I'm guessing if you go to medical school based <laughs> on what I'm hearing you wouldn't really be able to it just doesn't sound like there's tons of research in the field or not enough not enough yeah right? I think a lot of it's trial and error that's why they call it practice <laughs> like right. he's learning about it and yeah. I remember the specific office I felt like the nurse who had Lyme oh really and I think I don't know how their connection or how that happened. I feel like she studied a lot more of it, and she'd come to him and say, these are the newest protocols from the latest researchers. This is what you should do. Wow. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think now there is an ILADS annual convention, which mm-hmm. stands for something, International Lyme something. And it's, in the, it's, in, it's usually in, like, New York or Connecticut area and, or maybe New Jersey. But it's every year, and a lot of doctors – from all over the world and country come in and that's good they're talking about the latest protocols and techniques and herbs and antibiotics and so there is more awareness but yeah. it's still in my opinion not not enough not enough yeah is yeah. there like is there any issues with lyme what about outside the u.s overseas you know i i know for sure the doctor in seattle dr Klinghart, that i mentioned um is from germany and i know that he goes back and forth and sees it there. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think so. Yeah. I know people who swear they got it in Mexico oh, wow. or Costa Rica in the rainforest where there's. That's um, interesting. Ticks. I, yeah. Yeah. So that's, I just, man. So it just, is it just something naturally in ticks? It's just, I get, do, do they know why the ticks are the carriers for this, for this disease? I, I don't know. That's so interesting. It, one thing we know is that Borrelia burgdorferi is one tick-borne disease. That's the bacteria responsible for Lyme. But there's some also there's also some other big what they call co-infections that if you have Lyme sometimes you have this too or you could have this on its own but less likely they usually run together. Mm-hmm. There's one called Bartonella, there's another one called Babesia, and there's another one called Auriculosis all from ticks. All from ticks. Ticks. Mm-hmm. Jeez. And a lot of those have symptoms anywhere from leg weakness and burning to low back pain to mood swings and personality disorders. They believe it can cross – some of these bugs can cross the blood-brain barrier and get into oh, the brain. Oh, wow. That's scary. To seizures, yeah. to um, fatigue. I see a lot of people um, have something called POTS, which is a postural um, change in blood pressure. Hmm. And heart rate. So when they stand up, like their heart starts racing a whole lot. And we think that can be from the tick-borne illnesses. And wow. so all, all kinds of different um, infections now we know that we can get from ticks. There's also some thoughts that mosquitoes and spiders may also spread some of these. And I don't know that that's I was going to ask. I, yeah, because especially mosquitoes. Like, especially in Texas. <laughs> yeah, especially, especially in Texas. So, yeah, that would be interesting to see because if cause that would make the spread of that kind of stuff even crazier. So what do you do, right? Yeah. Like you can't live in a bubble. I, I will admit it changed my relationship with the outdoors. Yeah, I bet. It definitely has. My poor daughter has every kind of herbal everything on her when we go anywhere with grassy areas. Mm-hmm. So so a couple things to do preventatively. I was about to say, yeah, we should definitely talk about how to prevent. There's a lot of essential oil blends. Um Tea tree, peppermint, there's a lot of things that repel them. Oh, so you can kind of just put it on before you go out and it can help. Yep, your okay. body, you know, them not want you. Um, 
I don't know how true this is, but I know it works a lot for mosquitoes, but eating and taking garlic supplements, capsules, um, it's been said to work for ticks too. Um, wearing light color clothing so you could see them. Oh, that is makes a sense. Good one. Yeah. Um, they can drop from trees, but oftentimes it's more um, grassy areas where mm-hmm. the grass is like six inches or higher. So if you're hiking in areas like that, that you're off trail, it could even happen on a trail, but definitely off trail is tucking um, your pants in your socks. Mm-hmm. You look ridiculous, <laughs> but they think a lot of them come up through the pant leg. Yeah. And they attach that way. That makes sense. Um, doing checks on your dogs. Yeah. Um, especially if you let them run off like Redbud Trail here or something, you yeah. just let them go into the woods. Yeah. They... I would say my growing up, my dog used to get, we had a huge yeah. tick problem. And this was when I was like 10 years old. Where did you grow up? In Austin. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, in North Austin. And yeah, it was, I think they were just from our backyard. Absolutely. And yeah, shoot, we, it was terrible shit. I mean, their ticks were all over the place. And then like they would be all over the house. You would see yeah. them like crawling around and it freaked me out. Well, then people sleep with their animals. Oh. So yeah, a lot of times people will say, I don't know how I had a tick bite. I never go outside. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, do you have animals? Animal. It could be. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, prevention, obviously. Now me personally... I still sometimes camp with my husband. He enjoys it a lot oh, more than man. I do. I still, like I said, it's changed my, my yeah. relationship with the outdoors, but I can't can't live in a bubble. Yeah. I have chosen to do things like DEET. Yeah. Which I know yeah. is like cancer in a bottle. Right. <laughs> like it's so toxic. It it absolutely has to congest the liver. Like it abs- I I don't get it on my skin. Right. I, I was do... say what about maybe doing like long sleeves and pants and putting the deet over the clothing? Yep, I've that's what I try to do, but in situations where I know I'm in heavily wooded areas, I will do it cuz I'm like, okay, well I know how to detox my liver. Right, right. I can work on this. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know? And but it's I'm not like gonna... you're putting deet on yourself every day. Right. I'm anything. not like washing my face with Yeah, anything, exactly. Yeah. But... Yeah, I feel like that's understandable. But I've I've definitely been like, okay, this is this is a tick yeah. place. Yeah. So prevention, obviously, and just being aware that these ticks and then also removing them properly. Um, maybe you didn't get infected yet. And you, if you if you remove it wrong and you squish it and the blood goes in, the infection can go into you. Oh, wow. Another thing is you can um, remove the tick and keep it alive in a mason jar with a, a cotton ball of alcohol. I don't remember. You'd have to look this up if you have to put holes in the top of the mason jar. And you can send it to the health department, and they will test it for Lyme disease. Oh, wow. That's actually something. And I don't know if that's nationwide or just Texas. I absolutely mm-hmm. know it's in Texas. That's something I really want people to know because if you find a tick on you or your animal, mm-hmm. you can have it tested. And then, again, the CDC can can document an infected tick in that area. Right, because then they kind of know that area might be a, a- a spot to watch out for essentially absolutely it could be an infected highly you know if enough people do it like okay this this area has a high population yeah of infected and then you ticks. can put signs up and really spread awareness way more that would be yeah. amazing i hope i see that in my lifetime yeah that totally makes sense that's that, cool that they do that <laughs> that make i've never seen them put signs up but yeah. they should yeah for a long time texas a&m was doing a um study on ticks in texas and i actually had two people send ticks to Texas A&M and I don't know what ended up coming of it or Mm -hmm. I don't know that they're still doing it, but you could send, they wanted to test them. To do some, that's cool. And then also the person can know, okay, if that tick had Lyme disease, if it were my child or my best friend, 
if they took a tick off them and it was tested positive Lyme, I would tell them to go to a Lyme literate medical doctor and get on antibiotics, even if you're not presenting yeah. with symptoms. Yeah, immediately. That would just be my personal thought. Yeah, because I, would... I think, what is it, within the four, first 14 days or something is kind of the best time to treat with antibiotics, maybe? Is that right? Absolutely. And they would never, possibly never have to deal with the disease. Right. When it gets complicated and when they call it, like, chronic Lyme is when you've had it for years mm-hmm. and, and it's never been treated Yeah. kind of thing. But, yeah, if... I, could, I don't even know if it were my daughter, if I found a tick on her, I wouldn't try to get her antibiotics. I was about to say, I, I don't know. If I found a tick on myself, especially <laughs> after this, I would go straight to the doctor. Well, finding, like, but then right finding away. a doctor to yeah, do that if you didn't true. have a bullseye rash, if you didn't have fever, I might draw one joints. on. I don't know. Yeah, I would do so. I would definitely be like, you have, like, yeah. And, and anybody who knows me, being in the field of chiropractic, like, our, our, I don't know, creed, if you will, is to let the body heal itself, mm-hmm. natural first, try right. everything first, food be thy medicine, right? Like we we breastfeed our kids until they're in college almost, right? Like we just, <laughs> we, our philosophy isn't medication. Right. We believe the body can heal from the inside out. So, so that's a strong statement for yeah. me to say. If it were my child and I believe she was infected by Lyme disease, I would go get her antibiotics in the first 48 hours. If I, you know, I, I just would make it happen. Yeah, I would, yeah. We'd get in the car and drive to Michigan. I, don't I was know. about to say, yeah, <laughs> like, look up flights. I'm going somewhere. Like, I, I gonna... would I would definitely encourage people to. Now, with that said, don't go and do antibiotics for every little right, thing. Right. But I, I think it's important to try to get the tick, if you can even find it, tested because I think that could tell you so much. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's cool yeah. that they can do that. Yeah. Is there any um, is there any other kind of resources that are really good for people that are trying to kind of look more into Lyme or? Because <laughs> I feel like there it must be kind of tough to find some of that stuff. Yeah, um, so Texas has a Texas Lyme Disease Support Group they, mm-hmm. in Austin. Oh, cool. and I know there's one in Houston. Um, the one in Austin meets at People's Pharmacy on one I think the second Saturday of the month maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I, th- I think the name is Austin Lyme Disease Group or something. I, I know you can find it just by Googling it or looking at People Pharmacy, People's Pharmacy website. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a doctor that I follow, Dr. Marty Ross. His website is treatlime.net. Mm-hmm. And he does live Q&A questions. Oh, cool. Um, and he has a whole ebook of protocols and things. He's no longer a practicing doctor, but he he still... Kind of like helps. Coaches or yeah. gives guidance on things. He has a blog. Um, there's a couple of doctors that are really um, known in the field. The Bruner Protocol is a set of herbs Dr. Bruner came up with. Um, a lot of people have had a lot of great success with following his, and he has a whole website, and he has a whole protocol list. Um, the Cowden Protocol is another doctor that people can follow. And there's a couple... Um, inpatient facilities that you can go to that have that treat Lyme and I can't think of their names off the top of my head are they like specific for Lyme yes oh wow yes and they're hard to get into oh I'm sure um I think one is in Missouri or Minnesota don't quote me on that so they're 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 out there but Mm -hmm. people have to dig right that's what yeah that's kind of what I was thinking it seems like it's just not like we said the awareness just isn't there yeah yeah Yeah. but it's not like looking up you know, cancer or right. breast cancer or, you know, anything that you're going to find 
a plethora of in every city there's some sort of resource for mm-hmm. or you know diabetes or something it, it's hard and it's hard to know too what actually is going to work mm-hmm. for the person and what worked for one person may not another so those protocols i mentioned that people have had success with may or may not work for the next person it's just so right. hard because a lot of it has to do with their inner terrain the state of their mental you know awareness and is just this, their body is there um because i know you kind of talked about some of the certain genes that people have that might make them less likely to for the the lime to stick around in them uh-huh. do they, is there any way to do genetic testing to identify those genes or to know that you're maybe more prone to yeah. becoming infected i don't know like would, is that something that would be a good idea for people you think yes we do what's called nutra genomic testing in our office mm-hmm. absolutely and we can say yeah, we should probably work on your immune system 60, 365 days a year because right. you have some genetic predispositions for not detoxing well or for being a good host for genetics. Or yeah, but those sound like good things to just know regardless. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. To know if you are more susceptible to infections, let's mm-hmm. work on things, antioxidants, immune-boosting protocols, yeah. probiotics, mm-hmm. going off sugar, <laughs> you know, all that good stuff to make you less of a good host mm-hmm. that's makes sense <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 a less attractive host for the lime yeah yeah absolutely yeah all right well is there anything else you you want to kind of say or let people know or kind of good information for people to have out there i would just say if you feel in your gut and you know that there is something else going on and you're not happy with your diagnosis or your symptom treatment or what you've been told that this could be something if it sounds like you to explore and just know. And if you're struggling with some of these symptoms that we mentioned, brain fog, fatigue, joint pain, headaches, migraines, keep going, keep going. Your body can heal if you just figure out what you need to take away, what it's got too much of, whether that's infections or the wrong foods and what you don't have enough of, whether that's nutrients, minerals, we can get that balance in your body. If you can get that balance, I truly believe the body can heal from whatever is, you know, ailing it. Mm-hmm. So keep yeah. going. Keep going. Get tested. Yes, get, definitely. Bring some awareness. And if you are tested, report it to the CDC if you're positive. Yeah, yeah. That's, I feel like that's really important so that they can have a more accurate idea of... How big of an mm-hmm. epidemic this is. Exactly. It's an epidemic. Yeah. I, would, I would call it that, and people just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people need yeah. to know. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you yeah. for letting me talk about it. For sure. Thank <laughs> you so much for coming on, Tanisha. That was really, really informative. And I feel like it's so important that more people know about this. So I really appreciate you coming on and Absolutely. sharing your story and helping inform people. Absolutely. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Wellness Plus Podcast. Copyright 2018. Target Public Media, LLC. All rights reserved.